The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, June thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. You're listening to the Beijing Hour live from the Chinese capital. On the program this morning, our news focus: Chinese presidents in Kyrgyzstan for a state visit. He'll also attend a summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Other news: Hong Kong's Legislative Council postpones a vote on an extradition ordinance after a riot outside of the Legco Building. And the U.S. president says a thousand troops will be sent to Poland under a defense cooperation agreement. In business, 1.5 trillion yuan in local government bonds have been issued in China so far this year. Sports: China needs a win. At the Women's World Cup, entertainment: a look at the awards to be handed out at the 22nd Shanghai International Film Festival. First of all, a check of the day's headline news. It's been announced that nine international scientific projects from 17 countries will be aboard China's space station after it's put into use around 2022. The China Manned Space Agency says the experiments will cover a wide range of research areas, from space life sciences and biotechnology to microgravity physics and astronomy. It's the first time that a China a Chinese space mission has invited all members of、uh, the United Nations to conduct experiments. The Chinese agency will sign. Cooperation agreements with project applicants later this year. It also says it'll continue to work closely with the UN Office for Outer Space Affairs and open a second round of applications in a timely manner. China and Britain will hold their tenth economic and financial dialogue on Monday. Chinese Vice Premier Hu Chunhua and British Chancellor of the Exchequer Philip Hammond will co-chair the dialogue in Britain. The dialogue was initiated in 2008, providing a platform for the two sides to hold exchanges and coordination on strategic issues. Luxembourg will host the 2019 annual meeting of the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank on July 12th and 13th. This will be the first time that the AIIB's annual meeting has been hosted outside of Asia since it was founded over three years ago. Luxembourg is a founding member of that bank. AIIB Vice President Danny Alexander says they expect the meeting will promote connectivity between Asia and Europe. The second Asian Infrastructure Forum will also be held as part of the meeting, headquartered in Beijing. The AIIB IB began operations in January of 2016 and has now grown to 97 members worldwide. The attorney representing Brent Christensen has admitted that his client killed Chinese scholar Zhang Yingying in 2017. As part of his opening statement during trial in Illinois, George Tassov said that Christensen murdered the 26-year-old woman and covered up his crime. He suggested the trial would be an effort to spare Christensen the death penalty. Zhang, a visiting scholar at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, went missing on June 9th of 2017 after getting into a black car. Police arrested Christensen later that month and charged him with kidnapping, torturing, and killing Jung. Christensen's pleaded not guilty. News focus of the day. Chinese presidents in Kyrgyzstan for a state visit and a summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. During a brief talk with his Kyrgyz counterpart at the airport, Xi Jinping said that he's convinced the visit will consolidate the traditional friendship between the two sides and lift the bilateral partnership to a higher level. It's the second state visit to the Central Asian country since he took office in March of 2013. Kyrgyzstan's the first stop of Xi Jinping's ongoing Central Asian trip. He'll head to Tajikistan later in the week to.、Uh, 
for a state visit and a summit of the Conference on Interaction and Confidence-Building Measures in Asia. A former Kyrgyz president says her country's cooperation with China has achieved good results of far-reaching significance to the Central Asian nation. Rosa Otunbayeva made the remarks ahead of Chinese President Xi Jinping's ongoing state visit to the country. Our cooperation with China is getting deeper and broader. We see our cooperation with China in the political, economic, cultural and other fields as extremely important. We look forward to President Xi's visit, and I believe our bilateral relations will reach a higher level. Otunbaeva adds that both Kyrgyzstan and China uphold the Shanghai spirit of mutual trust, mutual benefit, equality in consultation, as well as respect for diversity of civilizations in pursuit of common development. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization plays a very important role. I think the Shanghai spirit conveyed by the SCO is a spirit of cooperation, friendship, mutual understanding, and balance between various forces on the international stage. President Xi will attend the 19th meeting of the Council of Heads of State of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization in Bishkek. The state visit by the president to Kyrgyzstan is expected to improve bilateral ties between the two countries and to enhance trade cooperation. Sirai's Guayan has more. Almabad Sheikh Mamatov is a legislator in Kyrgyzstan. He says President Xi Jinping's trip is a significant occasion and shares his hopes that the visit will enhance bilateral investments in some major projects. The visit by President Xi Jinping is of great importance. In the past couple of years, China and Kyrgyzstan have jointly conducted multiple projects. The two sides have mapped out a series of plans for long-term investments. And I believe the visit by President Xi will boost bilateral investments and also enhance cooperation within the framework of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. China remains Kyrgyzstan's largest trade partner and its biggest foreign investor. Trade between the two countries was worth 5.6 billion U.S. dollars last year. Du Dewen, who's China's ambassador to Kyrgyzstan, says the two countries will focus on creating favorable conditions to expand their trade ties. Chinese products which are affordable and of good quality are quite popular in Kyrgyzstan. Meanwhile, agricultural products from Kyrgyzstan have also begun to gain recognition among Chinese consumers. In the future, we will work together to improve bilateral trade and make business transactions more convenient. The ambassador asked the Kyrgyzstan as one of the first countries to sign up to the Belt and Road Initiative sees the initiative as a great opportunity to help the country achieve its target for economic growth. Mar Sarif is a political commentator in Kyrgyzstan. He explains that the development of Kyrgyzstan has been hindered by its geography as it's located far from the sea. But he believes that enhancing cooperation with China helps his country to find more business opportunities, which in turn helps to break the bottleneck in economic growth.
The visit by President Xi Jinping will hugely improve bilateral ties between China and Kyrgyzstan. Although we don't have an outlet to the sea, we look to our neighbor China as our sea, because China is able to offer a lot of development opportunities. The future of the country is deeply connected with China. The infrastructure projects and the Belt and Road Initiative offer more opportunities for our country's prosperity. Ambassador Du Duwen says President Xi's visit trip is expected to accelerate the implementation of key cooperation projects, including upgrades to roads in the capital Bishkek and an overhaul of a major agricultural irrigation system. The two neighbors will also step up cooperation at the local level, particularly between border regions. For CRI, this is Guoyan. Research by Chinese historians on the culture and history of Kyrgyzstan and its people has been released for the first time. The result was based on research on ancient books and records in Chinese history. Bu Shanchun is the director of the History Research Institute under the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. There was no written record of the nomadic people in the early times. China is a big country of historical studies with abundant literature. In the classic of mountains and seas, King Mu biography, Shi Ji and Book of Han, there are lots of records of northern and northwestern nationalities. Some Chinese literature is about Kyrgyz people. The research result details the basic features of Kyrgyz people recorded in Chinese history from the pre-Qin period to the Qing dynasty uh, across over 4,000 years. Abolabek Asinkanov is with the National Academy of Science of the Kyrgyz Republic. Recently, Chinese scholars found that there were records of Kyrgyz people in Chinese literature as far back as the 8th century. This is very exciting as it means that there's a lot of information in Chinese literature that we don't know. So I think there's a broader prospect for this kind of joint research and cooperation. The result was released at a a seminar in Bishkek demonstrating the fruits of a cooperative project launched by historians from both countries. President Xi Jinping has published a signed article hailing the friendship between China and Tajikistan ahead of his state visit to that country, calling the two sides close neighbors connected by mountains and rivers. The Chinese leader suggests that both make joint efforts to deepen policy communication, strengthen Belt and Road cooperation, and forge a stronger people-to-people bond. He also called for further cooperation in fighting terrorism, separatism, and extremism, as well as transnational organized crime. And on our on narcotics control and cybersecurity. China established diplomatic ties with Tajikistan 27 years ago and is now the biggest source of investment and a major trading partner for that Central Asian country. The first volume of Xi Jinping, The Governance of China in Tajik, was released during a ceremony in the country's capital, Dushanbe. Tajik President Mamali Rahman sent a congratulatory message to the event, which was also attended by a Chinese media delegation. The book, first published in 2014, centers on the Chinese leader's thoughts on socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era, the country's reform and opening up, and its pursuit of a national rejuvenation. For breaking news and stories that matter to you, find us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News, where we'll share with you our up-to-the-minute news, in-depth analysis, and live streaming videos. Visit China Plus News for your window on China and the world. 
Uh, 12 minutes past the hour. The Legislative Council of Hong Kong has postponed the debate of a proposed extradition bill after a riot broke out outside of uh, the building. The meeting, originally scheduled for Wednesday morning, was designed to discuss the fugitive offenders and mutual legal assistance in criminal matters legislation. Uh, the Hong Kong government says the postponed reading of the bill would be changed to a later time, with the final vote expected next week. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam strongly condemned the violence, calling for peaceful expression of different views. The bill tabled by the Hong Kong government in April aims to deal with suspects who committed serious crimes outside the special administrative region. Over 900,000 people have signed their names in support of the amendments in an online petition over the past couple of months. Meantime, the Chinese central government reiterated its support for the proposed amendments. Foreign Ministry spokesman Gang Shuang. I want to reiterate that the central government will continue to firmly support the government of Hong Kong's special administrative region on the amendments to the two ordinances. Since the return of Hong Kong, the principles of one country, two systems, and Hong Kong people governing Hong Kong have been effectively implemented. The rights and the freedoms that Hong Kong residents are entitled to have been guaranteed according to law. The spokesman also urged foreign countries to objectively and fairly view the Hong Kong government's proposal to amend the ordinances. And with more on the amendments, CRI's Zhao Ying earlier spoke with political analyst Xu Qindua. So Qindua, tell us more about what are they protesting for? Uh, well, as you mentioned in the introduction, it is really about this amendment of this bill of extradition. Uh, such a bill existed even before 1997 when Hong Kong was uh, handed over to the, to China from the UK. So after that, uh, you know, with a recent case uh, involving a Hong Kong man who was allegedly, uh, you know, like a, uh, for killing his girlfriend in Taiwan. And he went back to, in Hong, to Hong Kong. And then, uh, you know, the two sides found there's a problem because there's no extradition treaty. There's no way to send him back to Taiwan uh, to stand a trial and uh, probably receive due punishment if convicted. Uh, but so, you know, people see there's a problem. There's a gap. You need to close this gap, not only with Taiwan, but also with the mainland and also with Hong Kong. So the Hong Kong government suggested that let's make some amendments to make sure Hong Kong uh, basically is well connected with uh, the, re- uh, the nearby regions in addition to uh, about 30 plus uh, other regions around the world. So that's the effort from the government. But I I, I suspect, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the demonstrators, uh, protesters, they, they don't have probably a full understanding of the bill and what is the purpose, why the government is doing it now. Uh, you know, many people even probably politicize uh, the, the purpose or the 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 attempt to amend the bill itself. So it's causing a stir and then a lot of people took to the street. Then what are what exactly are the proposed changes in this um, extradition law, and what are the controversies there? Well, the the, the changes is really about to make it uh, uh, easier uh, for the cooperation for the how to say this uh, judicial bodies. Uh, between different regions, uh, say between Hong Kong with the mainland, between Hong Kong with Taiwan, Hong Kong and Macau, uh, because it serves a uh 
I would say serve the interests of both sides. Of course, Hong Kong's interests and the interests of the mainland, interests of Taiwan, interests of Macau, because it will make it easier to proceed the or to you know to conduct those legal procedures to bring those. Uh, to justice, it's easier.、Uh, otherwise, there will be a gap that is、uh, impossible to bridge between the two sides. So that 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 is, uh, uh, you know,、uh, I would I would say that is reasonable and also necessary step to make Hong Kong.、Uh, we know Hong Kong, which is rule of law,、uh, prouds itself,、uh, you know, uh, like uh, being a place with rule of law. And I think this step will further strengthen Hong Kong. As a region、uh, known for、uh, rule of law,、uh, but but there's a lot of I guess misunderstanding or you know、um, lack of understanding even about this amendment.、Uh, for example, itself is very very strict in terms of uh, uh, turning over、uh, suspects of、uh, crimes to Taiwan or to the mainland or to Hong Kong. For example,、uh, there's a clear conditions for those to be. Applicable、uh, for the、um, amendment, for example, you know、uh, the crime involved must be one of the thirty-seven types of crime that's recognized by the international community, and、uh, the possible sentence would be more than seven years in prison terms、uh, for those really serious criminals or of the criminal suspects. That is. Uh, the extradition of the, that kind of people. So we are talking, and also for the final extradition, it must be approved by the court of Hong Kong as well as、uh, the approval of the Hong Kong SAR、uh, of chief administrator. That is the, the governor of Hong Kong. So it's double approval. It's very strict, and also there are some、uh, exclusions. For example, if it's、uh, related to, I mean, the behavior is related to, say, for example, media coverage,、uh, academic studies, or publishing, or freedom of speech, that is、uh, out of、uh, this extradition bill. So no worries about that. So this is not about、uh, somehow like uh, weakening uh, Hong Kong's uh, as as a、uh, freedom of speech or democracy or etc. No, it's not like that. It's a matter of law, and people should leave it to the legislature and leave it to the lawmaking body there.、And、that's political analyst Xu Chinhua speaking with CRI's Zhaoying. The Ministry of Commerce says China's service trade grew to more than 1.7 trillion yuan, or roughly 253 billion U.S. dollars, in the first quarter of this year, an increase of 4.1 percent over the same period last year. Service exports rose by over 10 percent during the period, and imports gained over 1 percent. China is still seeing a deficit of over 500 billion yuan in service trade. The deficit's down 9.7 percent from one year earlier. Zhu Guangyao is. An official with the Ministry of Commerce. The growth rate of service imports and export went up remarkably. In April, China's service production index reached 7.4 percent, the second high since last September. Service imports and export registered a growth rate of 9 percent in April, 6.8 percentage points up from March. And it lifted service trade growth in the first four months up by 1.5 percentage points. 
This shows China's service trade continued to retain an overall momentum of sustained and sound growth. Ju adds that the growth of China's knowledge-intensive services has been eye-catching. With China's supply-side structural reforms and the growing competitiveness of China's productive services, high-value-added and high-tech-intensive services continue to develop. From January to April. Import and export of China's knowledge-intensive services reached around 600 billion yuan, an increase of 12.7 percent from the same period last year, which was 8.6 percentage points higher than the overall growth rate for the service trade. Knowledge-intensive services accounted for 34 percent of the total trade in services, an increase of 2.5 percentage points over the same period last year. The service sector accounted for 52 percent of the country's total GDP last year. Chinese authorities say proper use of human genetic resources for scientific research to improve people's health will be supported. This comes after a regulation on the management of such resources was published. Xu Nanping is vice minister of science and technology. The building of a preservation platform of human genetic resources in the country, as well as big data in this field, will be beefed up to support the use of human genetic resources for scientific research. Scientific research institutions, universities, medical institutions, and enterprises are also encouraged to rationally use human genetic resources to improve diagnosis and treatment technologies and develop the biopharmaceutical industry. The vice minister says the regulation also strengthens supervision on the use of human genetic resources to further protect them. Activities related to human genetic resources must not undermine the country's public health, national security, or public interests. They must abide by ethical principles and laws, and protect the legal rights and interests of the providers of those resources. The collection, storage, utilization, and supply of China's human genetic resources must also be further supervised. The regulation bans trade in human genetic resources, with violators to receive huge fines and other severe punishments. It also encourages international cooperation in this field, with the legal interests of all participants to be protected. But Zheng Bingqing, with the Ministry of Science and Technology, says measures are stipulated to prevent the illegal leak of those resources. Foreign units must not unilaterally collect and store China's human genetic resources and supply them abroad without an official approval by Chinese authorities. Those who need to use the resources for scientific research must abide by laws and regulations, and will have to work with Chinese partners. Such as scientific research institutions, universities, medical institutions, and enterprises. The regulation will take effect from the beginning of next month. It's 23 past the hour. China is introducing a series of policies to further promote the development of private medical and health institutions. Wang Hesheng is the deputy head of the National Health Commission. With the aging problem, China will face increasing demand for recovery. Nursing and combined services with nursing and medical treatment, which will provide huge room for the development of private medical and health institutions. In addition, in the highly needed disciplines such as pediatrics, psychiatry, obstetrics, and gynecology, 
ophthalmology, medical cosmetology, and so on. The private medical and health institutions can play an important role, as well as in the independent third-party agents such as the institutions for medical examination, hemodialysis, and medical imaging. Xiang Shenjun with the National Healthcare Security Administration says government approvals for private medical and health institutions are also simplified. The requirement of applying for designated hospitals has been optimized with application period shortened. The private medical and health institutions can apply for the approval only three months after operation, and the assessment period cannot exceed three months. China had 21,000 hospitals run by the private sector as of the end of last year, accounting for 63.5 percent of all hospitals in the country. The last piece of track for the Beijing to Zhengzhou high-speed railway was laid on Wednesday in a tunnel underneath Tsinghua University in Beijing. Testing will begin soon on the 174-kilometer railway. The new line is due to be put into service by the end of this year. It's an important part of the Beijing-Lanzhou railway and a major part of the preparations for the 2022 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games. It'll also link with two other regional high-speed railways from Inner Mongolia. And Shanxi Province, Ma Kanyan with the Jingjiang Intercity Railway Company says the railway will reduce the travel time between Beijing and Zhengzhou to less than one hour. By the end of this year, with the opening of the Zhangjiakou-Horhod Railway and the Datong-Zhangjiakou Railway, we will build a new transportation system in the northwest region. To help people there go to the capital more conveniently, this will also help promote the development of the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei region and boost tourism in cities along the railways. Uh, trains on the new rail link will run at speeds of up to 350 kilometers per hour. U.S. President Donald Trump says the United States will locate 1,000 service members to Poland. Trump discussed the additional troops as part of a White House Rose Garden news conference with Polish President Andrzej Duda. Earlier today, President Duda and I signed a joint declaration affirming the significant defense cooperation between our nations. And as the declaration makes very clear, the United States and Poland. Are not only bound by a strategic partnership, but by deep common values, shared goals, and a very strong and abiding friendship. As stated in the joint declaration, the United States and Poland continue to enhance our security cooperation. Poland will still provide basing and infrastructure to support military presence of about 1,000 American troops. Trump revealed that the Polish government will pay for the infrastructure to support the troops. He also praised Poland for increased defense spending and meeting its NATO commitments. Before the two men spoke, a single F-35 flew over the White House to emphasize Poland's plan to purchase the aircraft. Trump says the two countries have signed in a, or rather agreed to increase sales of liquefied natural gas to Poland. The Iranian president has told the visiting Japanese prime minister that Tehran will deliver a crushing response if it's attacked by the United States. Speaking alongside Shinzo Abe, Hassan Rouhani adds that Iran doesn't seek war with the United States. We will not be starting any war in the region, even with the United States. But if a war wants to start, we will give a crushing response. 
In today's talks, I emphasize that if we are witnessing any tensions, they stem from economic war of America against the Iranian nation. Whenever this war stops, we will see a very positive development in the region and the world. Uh, Abi emphasized the need to scale down the tension, warning of the possibility of an accidental conflict. The Trump administration's reimposed sanctions on Iran after withdrawing from the landmark 2015 nuclear deal. The U.S. has recently deployed an aircraft carrier and B-52 bombers to the Persian Gulf, citing security concerns from Iran or its proxies. It's time for a short break on the Beijing hour. Still to come in business, one and a half trillion yuan in local government bonds have been issued in China so far this year. Sports: China needs a win at the Women's World Cup. Entertainment: a look at the awards to be handed out at the 22nd Shanghai International Film Festival. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. What matters to China increasingly matters to the world. Keep up to date with the latest news and events about the Middle Kingdom with the China Plus app. Up-to-the-minute reports, live streaming audio, insightful opinion on everything China-related, facts, figures, and language learning resources at your fingertips. Everything in focus, all in one place. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday morning. Still to come in business, China Mobile started accepting bids for the first phase of its 5G build-out this year. In sports, Real Madrid signs a new defender in a deal worth over 50 million euros. Entertainment: the stars of the new Spider-Man movie talk about their on-set bromance. Get in touch with us by email: beijinghour at cri dot com dot cn. On Twitter and Facebook, search for China Plus News. Download the China Plus app or visit china plus dot cri dot cn for the latest news and information from China Radio International. Now checking the day's headline news. The Chinese president's in Kyrgyzstan for a state visit and a summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. During a brief talk with his Kyrgyz counterpart at the airport, Xi Jinping said that he's convinced the visit will consolidate the traditional friendship between the two sides and lift the bilateral partnership to a higher level. This is the second state visit to the Central Asian country since he took office in March of 2013.、Uh, the Russian and Indian leaders, among others, will attend the 19th SEO. Summit that starts on Friday. Kyrgyzstan's the first stop of Xi Jinping's ongoing Central Asia trip. He'll head to Tajikistan later in the week for a state visit and a summit of the Conference on Interaction and Confidence-Building Measures in Asia. Chinese presidents published a signed article hailing the friendship between China and Tajikistan ahead of his visit to that country, calling the two sides close neighbors, connected by mountains and rivers. The Chinese leader suggests that both make joint efforts to deepen policy communication, strengthen Belt and Road cooperation, and forge a stronger people-to-people -people bond. He also called for further cooperation in fighting terrorism, separatism, and extremism, as well as transnational organized crime and on. Narcotics control and cybersecurity. China established diplomatic ties with Tajikistan 27 years ago, and is now the biggest source of investment and a major trading partner for the Central Asian country. 
It's been announced that nine international scientific projects from 17 countries will be aboard China's space station after it's put into use around 2022. The China Manned Space Agency says the experiments will cover a wide range of research areas, from space life sciences and biotechnology to microgravity physics and astronomy. It's the first time that a China space mission's invited all members of the United Nations to conduct experiments. The Chinese agency will sign cooperation agreements with project applicants later this year. It also says it'll continue to work closely with the UN Office for Outer Space Affairs and open a second round of applications in a timely manner. U.S. President Donald Trump says the states will locate 1,000 service members in Poland. Trump discussed the additional troops as part of a White House Rose Garden news conference with his Polish counterpart. Trump revealed that the Polish government will pay for the infrastructure to support the additional troops. He also praised Poland for increased defense spending and for meeting its NATO commitments. 34 minutes past the hour, turning to business news now. And we'll start with the closing numbers in North America and Europe. U.S. equities sank on Wednesday, pressured by losses in tech and in bank shares. Goldman Sachs slid 2.3%, while J.P. Morgan Chase was down 1.3%, among the worst performers on the Dow. Major chip stocks underperformed, weighing on the tech sector. LAM Research Corporation slumped 5.3%, while Qualcomm dropped 2.3%. On the economic front, the U.S. consumer Consumer price index for all urban consumers increased by one-tenth of a percent last month on a seasonally adjusted basis after rising uh, three-tenths of a percent in April. At the closing bell, the Dow and the S&P 500 were down by two-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq fell by four-tenths of a percent. Weakness in oil companies and banks halted a week-long rally in European shares. Washington's tough stance on trade talks with Beijing prompted investors to cash in on some of June's gains. The biggest faller was Europe's oil and gas index down 2.2% as the commodities price took a hit from an unexpected rise in U.S. crude inventories and by a weaker outlook for global demand. Axel Springer jumped 11.5% to touch a nine-month high after funds controlled by U.S. private equity investor KKR offered to buy out minority shareholders of the German publisher with a 40% premium to the market price. At the closing bell, the U.K.'s FTSE 100 was off by four-tenths of a percent France's CAC 40 decreased by six-tenths of a percent, and Germany's DAX was down by three-tenths of a percent. Data shows that China issued new local government bonds worth one and a half trillion yuan in the first five months of this year. The accumulated new bonds accounted for around 47% of the annual local government debt quota. Among them, 860 billion yuan was raised by special local government bonds. Most of the new local government bonds were used to finance projects under construction, including railways, water conservancy works, and agriculture infrastructure. China issued a document earlier this week which encourages local governments and financial institutions to use special bonds to support major projects, including the coordinated development of the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei region and the construction of the Yangtze River Economic Belt. 
The National Bureau of Statistics says China's consumer price index rose 2.7% year-on-year in May, while the producer price index increased by around 0.6%. Food prices gained 7.7% year-on-year in May, contributing 1.5 percentage points to the overall CPI's year-on-year growth. An NBS official says the increase in food prices is mainly due to higher prices of fruits and vegetables, which are in short supply. The CPI is a main gauge of inflation that examines the weighted average of prices of a basket of consumer goods and services, while the PPI measures costs of goods at the factory gate. With more on this, CRI's Zhao Yang spoke to Liu Churchin, senior fellow of the Chengyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University, and Andy Mock, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. Uh, so first of all, Jiqing, how would you rate the CPI and PPI figures in May? CPI uh, up 2.7% and PPI up uh, 0.6%. What do they tell us about the economy? I think we should be feeling satisfactory with the figures, especially CPI. 2.7% is quite uh, moderately uh, within the expectation because according to the uh, Business uh, environment at the moment, I think in the past two months, especially in the last month, I think we have some met some challenges from outside uh, supply and also we have some domestic problems. This is some seasonal problem with uh, some uh, price increases in food and in food industry. So in this way, I think the 2.7% is quite satisfactory to all uh, people here. So as we hear some comments from outside of China that the CPI in China 2.7% is uh, understood and uh, accept- acceptable. PBI up to 0.6%, I think they have some special reasons because of the some uh, trade uh, tension with the outside and also we have the uh, raw material price increases uh, a little bit. So the PPI from the production uh, uh, price index has a little bit uh, uh, increased. Uh, so it's quite uh, uh, reasonable. So within these uh, uh, reasons that we can see at the moment that the general situation in economic field in China is quite healthy. Mm. And we hope that such tendency can be kept uh, stable in the future. Mm. So Andy, actually, uh, Jiqin mentioned uh, the CPI, there is some uh, seasonal reasons or factors, and uh, we found that uh, the fresh food prices in particular uh, soured uh, uh, more than 26% from a year ago due to weather-related factors, of course, but uh, what about the long-term trend, do you think? Are food and, uh, and are fruit and vegetable prices expected to fall, or will there be increasing supplies in the market? Well, I think um, you know these kind of products or commodities uh, are very sensitive to um, classical uh, market signals because uh, you know to grow more fruits and vegetables, you know the growth cycle is not that long. It's not days, but it's not years either. So I think where there's uh, higher prices due to market shortages, uh, that will of course induce farmers to plant more, produce more, and that will then increase supply, which will then lower prices, you know, classic microeconomic theory. So I think that 
these kinds of products are exactly the types of products that uh, microeconomic theory describes best. So yes, I would agree, Zhao Yang, that you know the higher prices we're seeing here are probably more cyclical uh, versus structural, and will uh, induce more supply to bring prices down to equilibrium. We've heard from Leo Juchin, Senior Fellow of the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University, and Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization with CRI's Jiaoyang. China Mobile started accepting bids for the first phase of its 5G build-out this year, totaling 19 billion yuan. According to the company, the project includes the design of the wireless network and feasibility research. Total bid value exceeds the investment of roughly 17 billion yuan. The company earlier said that it would pour into 5G this year. China Mobile is planning to offer 5G commercial services in 40 cities by the end of this year. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. It's 41 minutes past the hour and time for sports. Here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. And the Women's World Cup host of France has secured a place in the knockout stage after a 2-1 win against Norway. They top Group A with six points from two games, three ahead of second-placed Norway. In the same group, South Korea lost to Nigeria 2-0 and lost hopes of reaching the last 16. Germany made it two wins from two as they claimed a narrow win 1-0 over Spain in Group B. The Germans remain unbeaten in 14 games since March 2018. Tomorrow morning, Beijing time, Team China kicks off their second group game at the Women's World Cup against South Africa. China now sits third in Group B, only better than bottom side South Africa on goal differential, while Germany leads the standings after the Spain win. A victory is needed for China to keep their hopes alive of advancing into knockout stage. Coach Jia Xiuquan says he's confident in his players. We managed to find some teams which have the similar playing styles as our World Cup opponents Germany and South Africa in the international friendlies earlier. So we're all well prepared to face South Africa tomorrow. We will have some certain tactics to maximize our strength against them. All our players are ready. Let's wait and see tomorrow. China has a perfect record over the South Africans in four previous meetings, scoring 28 and conceding none. Real Madrid has signed French defender Ferland Mendy from Lyon in a deal with up to 53 million euros. The 24-year-old signed a six-year deal with the Spanish club. He made 79 appearances for Lyon in two seasons and played in every game of their Champions League round to the round of 16 last season. Meanwhile, Serbian striker Luka Jovic was officially unveiled as a Real player at the Benavol Stadium after joining the team from Frankfurt. To be entirely honest, the only thing I was scared about when I came here was stepping on the pitch for the first time. But it went great. I hope I will deserve that fans chant my name in the future. Real Madrid paid 60 million euros to sign Jovic, who last season scored 27 goals in all competitions. Earlier, the club also signed Eden Hazard from Chelsea for a fee that could reach 170 million euros. The transfers have taken their summer spending close to 340 million euros. In volleyball, the Chinese women's national team swept Turkey 3-0 at the Nations League German Series, extending their winning streak to nine games. 
Gong Xiangyu scored a team high 14 points, while Li Yingying had 13 for China. Captain Zhu Ting, who met many former teammates from Turkish club Vakif Bank, made a brief appearance. In an earlier match, the United States came back to win over Poland 3-1, ending their two-game losing streak. Today, China will meet the USA, while Turkey will face Poland. In cycling, four-time champion Chris Froome will miss this year's Tour de France after a crash in training. Team Ineos leader Dave Brosford says Froome suffered multiple fractures after hitting a wall at very high speed. Yeah, he's had a bad crash. Actually,、uh, it sounds like he was、uh, the foot of the descent. It's obviously very gusty today, and it sounds like he's taking his hand off the off off his bars just to blow his nose. And the wind's taking his front wheel. He's hit、uh, hit a wall at 60 k an hour, something like that. He's got a bad fracture. He's he's badly injured.、It、sounds like he's、uh, got a fracture of femur. To be confirmed, he's not in hospital yet. He's just going to get airlifted shortly to to hospital. 34-year-old Froome was practicing for the fourth stage of the eight-day Dufan race, which would have been his first time trial test this season. He was eighth overall in the standings, 24 seconds behind the top spot. The three-week Tour de France starts on July the sixth. Longtime Froome teammate Garin Thomas was the defending champion. In tennis, four-time Grand Slam champion Andy Murray is returning to the court for the first time after receiving hip surgery in January. The former world number one is due to compete in doubles with Feliciano Lopez at the Queens Club Grass Court event next week. Yeah, I feel good.、Um, you know, I'm just sort of easing my way back into it a little bit, but you know, been practicing quite a bit the last few weeks,、um, and yeah, been been enjoying it, pain free, and I'm still just a bit slow. For singles and still need to build up my strength a bit more, but I think you know doubles wise, I feel like I'll, I'll be all right. Murray says he's hoping to return to the singles court before the end of the year. It means he's unlikely to be ready in time for the U.S. Open in August. He also plans to play doubles at Wimbledon, which starts next month. Forbes has listed Lionel Messi as the world's highest-paid athlete, earning $127 million in the past 12 months. On the American magazine's rankings, Cristiano Ronaldo is second on $109 million, with Neymar in third on $105 million. Mexican boxer Canelo Alvarez and Swiss tennis great Roger Federer rounded out the top five. Last year's highest earner, boxer Floyd Mayweather, has dropped off the list. Players from the NBA led all sports with 35 players among the top 100, with LeBron James ranking eighth on the overall list. Serena Williams is the only woman in the top 100, earning over 29 million dollars. In the NBA, Golden State Warriors forward Kevin Durant confirmed what everyone most feared: he underwent surgery for a ruptured right Achilles tendon. Durant posted on social,、uh, social media that the severity of his injury two days after getting hurt during Game Five of the NBA Finals in Toronto. He was returning from a strained right calf that sidelined him a month. Coach Steve Kerr admitted having Durant return was a bad decision. The main thing is、um, you know, our concern for Kevin, and these last couple of days just checking on him. Obviously, everybody feels horrible. As Bob mentioned the other the other night, this last month was a cumulative, collaborative effort in his rehabilitation. You know, when we gathered all the information. Our feeling was the worst thing that could happen would be a re-injury of the calf. So the Achilles came as a complete shock. Had we known that this was a possibility, there's no way we ever would have allowed Kevin to come back. 
The Warriors will return home for Game Six tomorrow morning, Beijing time. They won Game Five in Toronto, but still trailed the best of seven series, three-two. In the NHL, Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals will be underway in minutes. Shane, what can you tell us? The 2018-19 hockey season is coming to an end today, with either the St. Louis Blues or Boston Bruins lifting the Stanley Cup in celebration. Historically, the home team has the advantage in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals with an all-time 12-4 win-loss record. However, the home team has lost the previous two Game Seven championship matchups.、Uh, the puck drops in roughly 10 minutes, and it's、uh, on the ice. In Boston,、uh, Major League Baseball, the Chicago Cubs beat the Colorado Rockies ten to one earlier this morning. The Reds beat the、uh, Indians seven two, and it was the Athletics over the Rays six two.、Uh, the Boston Red Sox and、uh, Texas Rangers were tied at three in the ninth inning. Several other games are recently underway, including the Arizona Diamondbacks at the Philadelphia Phillies.、Uh, games starting after eight o'clock include the Seattle Mariners at the Minnesota Twins and the Brewers at the. Astros. The late game starts at 9:45 this morning. The San Diego Padres are visiting the San Francisco Giants. Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. It's 49 minutes past the hour. Entertainment news now, and filmmakers are preparing to gather in Shanghai for the 22nd Shanghai International Film Festival, or SIF, which will be starting this weekend. Around 40 films have been shortlisted to run for the Golden Goblet Awards, and 14 for the new or the Asian New Talents Awards at the film festival. Competition sections for the Golden Goblets、uh, fall into four categories, which include the main competition for feature-length films and one focusing on documentary animation and short films. The Golden Goblet Awards will be announced June 23rd. The Asian New Talent Awards is aimed at cultivating new forces of Asian films and stimulating the vitality. Of Asian films, there are six prizes under those awards. Celebrated Chinese director Ning Hao is the jury chairman of the Asian New Talent Awards this year, and、uh, those awards are to be unveiled on June 21st. Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal arrived in Beijing to promote their film Spider-Man: Far From Home. The stars spoke about a bromance moment. We had a funny story where we were doing a scene where we meet each other for the first time and we shake hands, and for a joke. It's not funny. I don't know why we did it, but we fed each other watermelon. Well, you were you were eating. They passed out watermelon on set for a、yeah. snack, and then you were eating watermelon, and you were a little tired, so you're in a little bit of a. What, I needed some sugar. Yeah, so we started eating it, and then I tried it, and then we just decided to feed each other <laughs> like this watermelon. <laughs> Spider-Man: Far From Home follows Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man, on a summer vacation to Europe with his friends. Director John Watts said that he tried his best to make the story relatable to everyone who watches it. I try to always enter it、um, from as real, at least an emotional perspective, as I can. I mean, the world that we're in in these films is crazy. I mean, Spider-Man now since Homecoming has been to space. He's Disappeared in a cloud of dust, been gone for five years, come back, fought aliens. That's not realistic. But for me, I always just try to think about、uh, Peter Parker as just one of us, just the most relatable person in this crazy environment. And even though these big, world-changing events are happening, 
how would that feel to a 16-year-old kid and use that to sort of tell a story that hopefully everyone can relate to. Films due in uh, cinemas across China June 28th, and that's days ahead of its release in the United States. The 25th Shanghai TV Festival is entering or entertaining local crowds by offering them the opportunity to watch virtual reality movies for free at local major cinemas. The VR exhibitions proved exceedingly popular among residents. 27 VR productions will greet eager viewers. And apart from domestic programs, they also include award-winning short films from Europe, Africa and the Americas. Yang Chengqi is the curator of the VR exhibition. Those movies are all excellent works and shortlisted in many world's first-class film festivals over the past year, so they are all of high quality. Yo Haiyang is with the China Culture and Tourism Bureau. This makes us more determined to hold such event next year to carry out the public interest work in a better, deeper, and thorough way. The 25th Shanghai TV Festival kicked off in the city on Monday with TV dramas, documentaries, animations, and TV shows to be screened. The Magnolia Awards Ceremony, a highlight of this festival, is to be held tomorrow. The third Westlake International Documentary Festival is calling for global entries. The festival is held on the banks of Westlake in Hangzhou, Zhejiang Province every autumn. IDF 2019 will be held from October 18th through the 20th. It is, it is now open to submissions and recommendations for feature-length documentaries, short documentaries, and documentary series completed after January the 1st of last year. The D20 nomination competition will be the main section of the IDF 2019, which also includes screenings and forums, as well as training sessions by international filmmakers aimed to enhance the quality and professionalism of Chinese documentaries. The Netflix romantic comedy Always Be My Maybe is the latest in a string of collaborations between longtime friends Ali Wong and Randall Park. The movie was directed by Nanachka Khan, who helped to create Park's TV series Fresh Off the Boat. She celebrated the diversity of the film's creators, both in front of and behind the camera. Certainly for me, like coming up through network TV comedy, you know, writing on other people's shows, a lot of times the gatekeepers are like straight white dudes. You know what I mean? Like that was every show I wrote on. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to surround myself with like-minded people and like we can all lift each other up and let's see how far we get. And you just keep going and you write the things that you want to see and hopefully other people feel like they want to see it too and and you know you can kind of you find yourself sitting here suddenly you're like how did i get here the movie also stars daniel de kim and features a cameo from keanu raves always be my maybe is now streaming on netflix Tom Hanks has voiced the character Woody four times now. Speaking at the Los Angeles premiere of Toy Story 4 on Tuesday, he called the journey worthwhile. I think that people at Pixar, the great DNA behind everything that we've done here, does not take their job lightly. We have not banged these things out. There have been years between. And even on this one, we have recorded for the better part of three and a half years. And every moment is weighed. And every moment is taken very, very seriously. And no one wants to, to go all this route and just deliver an okay story. Now, Annie Potts voices Bo Peep, who's grown into an adventure-seeking free spirit whose strength and sarcasm belie her delicate porcelain exterior. She's a forgotten toy in the series. Uh, toy Story 4 is uh, set for release on June 21st in the United States and in the UK. 
at 56 minutes past the hour now, and uh, Beijing's getting thunder showers today, 29 degrees Celsius, overnight temperatures around 20. Chongqing will be cloudy in 31, a low of 23. Last is sunny in 27, a low of 13. Lanzhou's getting sunshine in 32 degrees, a low of 17. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad will be sunny in 39. Kabul is getting clouds in 24. In North America, Washington, D.C. gets a slight rainfall in 24 degrees Celsius. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour, making news this morning. The Chinese president's in Kyrgyzstan for a state visit. He'll also attend a summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.